I am Joshua. And I'm Jamie. And And we're we're going to do Daredevil. Daredevil. everyone um this is episode five of the uh, joshua and jamie do daredevil podcast um we're going to take a little break from the main series on this uh this episode and we're going to focus on uh, some of his uh, uh hebe and daredevil his guest appearances and cameos in books um in the especially focusing in the early couple of years from uh, 1964 to 66 so pretty much we're going to cover the first few cameos that he had up until where we are in the regular series. So everything through the first 36 issues, yeah, all in the other books, those cameos are kind of what we're going to look at and those guest stars too. Yeah. And there and were a lot of great ones. There are. There's yeah. some great ones. Um, there's some some very simple ones. And, yes. But even the simple ones have a little charm to them. They, they do. Um, one of the, there's a couple of things. One, um, this kind of came about, I think, from the question that we had either in the last episode or the episode before, which was talking about Daredevil's uh, place in the Marvel Universe. Um, and it really made me realize that we had not talked about his appearance in, in many of the books that he had been popping up in. Um, in the early few years especially, there was a, a tendency when Marvel created a new book, they would try to cameo that character into um, established books to build interest, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see Daredevil popping up very early on. Um, he's f- I think it's his first guest appearance in another book is in uh, September 1964 in, in Amazing Spider-Man number 16. Um, another thing that... Uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say what they, what they like to do too is when they're introducing Daredevil to a new audience in the Spider-Man books, the X-Men books and everything, they always like to kind of do a little bit of a retelling mm-hmm. of his origin, yeah. you know, a simplified, smaller version. And uh, it's always fun to see different artists and different writers take... Well, I, I know it's pretty much Stan Lee, but specifically <laughs> uh, different artists take on, on Daredevil. And we're going to get into uh, Kirby and, and what he did with the, uh, the Billy Club, which I'm yeah. excited to talk about. <laughs> but uh, it, it's just fun to see the, the different origins, the sum ups, and and everything when they do, when they talk about Daredevil. So yeah, it, yeah, the, a lot of fun little cameos and guest stars. Yeah, and they, they do. It's it's very common to see Daredevil's uh, origin being retold again and again, and it's uh, it's nice because the the core idea always remains pretty constant. But there are little, it, it, not embellishments, but just artistic. Um, interpretations, which are always really, really good fun to, to see. It even happens in his own book, where they'll often, every few years, they'll retell his origin. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, another thing that we we wanted to mention uh, very briefly is that um, that there is a lot of um, uh, questions about Stanley's role in writing and the, the Marvel method, and a lot of. Um, anecdotal stories about who did what in these books, especially early on, and and whether or not the writers were were as involved as um, as they can be, or whether or not the the artists were the true creators and writers. And um, we just wanted to say that that the, yes, we know that these things exist. These uh, questions about that exist, but this isn't really the podcast for that. That this is more of just a, a, an appreciation of Daredevil 
and the comic books. Right. If somebody is credited as the writer or the artist, inker, we assume that is what they did on the book, and that's yeah. kind of the way that we're going to treat it. Yeah. And, you know, if you do want to find out more about the, the uh, as I said, the anecdotal stories and the the, um, the stuff that happened at Marvel, there is a book called the Mar- Marvel The Untold Tale, which is by Sean Howe. Um, which is uh, it's, it's a fun read, but it kind of covers the entire run of, of Marvel and what was going on in the bullpen at that time. And also the Comics Journal website has a lot of really good articles that uh, you should check out if you're interested in the history of, of comics and Marvel comics. Um, but that being said, we are just going to take it as, as writ that Stan Lee is the writer on a lot of these things. We're going to play nice and we're going to follow the rules. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, yeah, like we said, amazing. We're going to kick off with Amazing Spider-Man number 16. And Amazing Spider-Man number 16 at this this time was um, the creators were Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sam Rosen is credited as the inker. Oh, no, the letterer. Sorry. Sorry, Sam. Um, and um, this was at a time, Amazing Spider-Man 16, um, uh, Steve Ditko had a run the the initial run of the spider-man book which was um amazing fantasy issue 15 i think i'm i'm going off of memory now and then the um i think it was the first 38 issues of spider-man um and he left the book uh, kind of abruptly at that point a lot of people were really surprised when he left because he'd been so tied to it and the, a lot of the look of the character was very much right. his work. Um, and that's, and that's why Daredevil ended up losing John Romita. That's right, yeah. yeah. John Romita came in and, and took over on the book. Um, the I think the reason that he left the book, they uh, he and Stan had a falling out about the direction of uh, the big reveal of um, one of Spider-Man's arch nemesis, uh, the Green Goblin. There was a reveal of his uh, identity. Um, I've actually read a lot of the early Spider-Man. I really like Spider-Man. I really like Steve Ditko. Um, I love that early run. It's really, it's one of the best origin stories. Um, and we kind of touched on this um, in an earlier episode where it's it's very uh, counter to Daredevil's origin where you have this, um, Spider-Man's origin is tied to this decision that he made where he has had uh, these powers, of, uh, he's acquired these powers and he chose to not do something. And the end result was that uh, someone he loved was killed and that is the driving force that makes him who he is even though he's going up against people that really don't like him um, or he, he's he's doing things for people that really don't like him and the public are really against him. Wow, um, that, that's a really good point when I think about the origins of other characters. I can't, re- I can't really think of one who was in a situation where you know, they had an opportunity to stop an event happening. I mean, they all deal with tragedy, you know, Daredevil yeah. with his father, mm-hmm. Batman with his parents being killed. But in both those cases, those characters, had they, had, they didn't have any chance to do anything to prevent that. Yeah. But Spider-Man did, and then he made the mistake of, you know. Yeah, and it's such a simple um, uh, driving force for that character. And, um, you know, Daredevil, even though his father had this tragic event happen, the the way he got his powers was he chose to do something for someone he mm-hmm. he chose to help someone and um for a lot of his his book and for a lot of the character's history he's been adored by the the public he's been very much a, a champion of the public and the police have a very good relationship with him the public the press all really uh, enjoy him as a character um so he, spider-man is, is such a good simple character that the the design is fantastic um and i i don't know about the design i don't know enough about the history of the design but i, I think jack kirby and 
others had their hand in it. But it, it, to me, it's always like Steve Ditko was mm-hmm. such a, a a force on that book, for, especially for that that initial run. Um, and this is coming in issue sixteen, which is only you know the book's been around for a, just over a year at this point. Yeah, and, and right here when we get up to sixteen, um, Daredevil still in the yellow suit, so mm-hmm. he's only been around for, I, I don't know off the top of my head, four or five issues probably. Yeah. And uh, this is Marvel's attempt to bring him in to get him to a wider audience so yeah. more people know who Daredevil is. And uh, at that, at this point, it's between Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. It's probably being the most popular Marvel book. I mean, we That's know, right, yeah. We know X-Men's in there, but Spider-Man was really... Yeah. I think X-Men actually struggled very early At on. the beginning, yeah. right. Um. So it was it was great to see Daredevil in this book, and they they spent a lot of time with this ish, issue. You could tell to try to really you know make everybody know who Daredevil is to yeah. try to obviously probably increase sales on the Daredevil book too. Yeah, and they do a good thing of of making him um, often when a character cameos in in a book. There's like an unwritten rule that the star of the book can't lose, or <clears throat> at the very least they have to like be they have to meet their match. And yeah. Daredevil being human to Spider Man, Spider Man at this point. Um, is presented as being incredibly strong. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's very much a part of his character in that he has. It's it's very um, um, contrasted with his physical appearance that mm-hmm. he is as strong as he is. He's not very muscular at this point. He's still a very um, um, awkward, gangly teenager. He is. But one thing I noticed with Steve Ditko's art, mm-hmm. specifically on Daredevil, but also on Spider Man, if you yeah. take a look at when they are. Their nor their human persona. I'm sorry, their non superhero persona. Peter Parker, mm-hmm. Matt Murdock. He draws them much smaller. Yeah, they look like almost normal. But then once they're in their superhero outfits, he then draws them incredibly buff and muscular, and they look much bigger. Yeah, and that's one thing that I noticed that was interesting with Dickos, and I noticed it really on Daredevil because the first few uh, panels that we see Daredevil in the Spider Man book. Uh, if you take a look at his face, mm-hmm. he almost looks kind of kind of sickly because <laughs> they make his cheeks or his cheeks are sunk in, and he's got lines down his face mm-hmm. to kind of show the length. And uh, it was it, it was a very interesting uh, take on on uh, Matt Murdock's yeah, he's the very, way that he looked. He's but, really stiff and reserved. Yeah, yeah. For that first bit, and but when he puts on the suit, though, yeah. he turns into a you know like a buff monster. It's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. <laughs> And it's kind of funny. The first the first time you see him in the book, he's actually um, walking along as Matt, uh, Spider-Man's yeah. going off to uh, swing to clear his head. He's getting frustrated, and Aunt May is saying, trying to hook him up with Mary Jane. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, he didn't see it at that point, but uh, you got to open your eyes there, Spider-Man. You yeah. can't do much better than uh, than Mary Jane. Um, and uh, Matt Matt's out walking the streets, and he's being mugged by uh, like four or five just generic goons not safe to be a blind man in the city i tell you what (laughs) and he's just standing i love how he's just standing there and the thought balloons are just like well i could take all these guys really easily but sure whatever i'll let this guy do it right Um, yeah because when spider-man shows up to to save the day you know matt's thinking in his head i don't need this guy but (laughs) but since but since spider-man's here i'll just let him do it i won't give away my secret identity but a really cool moment is as soon as Spider-Man leaves and Daredevil is safe, he thinks in his head, and this is actually kind of neat, uh, he's able to paint a perfect image of Spider-Man based mm-hmm. off of his super senses. Yeah. He, he can tell that he's 17 years old. He has yeah. a really good heart rate. He's in great sh- great shape because of his pulse and everything, and he gets mm-hmm. this whole mental image uh, about 
you know, he knows he's a teenager. He knows all this stuff just by listening to the heart, to the pulse and everything yeah. and his voice yeah. and, and, and the, the oxygen in his voice or whatever. He's yeah. able to tell that he, you know, he's 17 and in good health. Yeah. Isn't and they touch on that in, in, in Daredevil's book when he encounters Spider-Man, there's a whole thing of him calling him a kid and Spider-Man yeah. getting angry. Like, how do you know I'm a kid? <laughs> yeah, because that one took place after this meeting. It did, yeah. yeah he was yeah, in yeah, the red yeah. costume at that point. Yeah. Um, so the the gist of this story, what gets them all together is uh, this is another ringmaster story, and they really uh, very early on, or I don't know if it was very early on, but there's these early books. Ringmaster seems to be everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's he's the villain of the day that comes in and yeah. is just terrible. He's not very he's yeah. He's a lot like uh, at least in this book, he reminds me of the Mad Hatter, mm-hmm. uh, one of Batman's villains using hypnosis to uh, steal stuff. Mm-hmm. And his big plan is to announce that that Spider-Man is going to be a guest at his show. And he, he kind of feels like the Ringmaster's done enough of this that either he would be in jail or um, people would know not to go to his show. Right. I don't know how popular circuses <laughs> were back in 1964, but they seem like the draw. And, and uh, you know, announcing that Spider-Man's going to be there uh, to get... It's not to draw Spider-Man to come to No, it's to he get just, people to yeah, come. Yeah, he wants to fill the stands. Which is a really... It's a dangerous play. <laughs> Especially because Spider-Man, you know, he sees the posters, and th- this is this is brilliant. Spider-Man's like, well, you know what? If fans are expecting... Or if people are expecting me to be there, I might as well show up and give them a good show. Yeah. He doesn't even think for once that it's a setup or anything. Yeah. He's like, I don't remember agreeing to he go to a circus. Completely on face value. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll go and help out. You know, yeah. maybe people will like me more. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a bit in there where um, he makes this decision and he has turned down a date with... Uh, uh, is her name? Uh, Betty Ross? I can't remember. That sounds familiar. I, th- I think it is. Yeah, I can't Andrew remember. Lincoln. I feel yeah. like that's like an, a Hulk character now. I should have written this down. <laughs> I thought I did. Um, but Bet- Betty is the, um, if I'm getting her name right, she's like the, she's J. Jonah Jameson's secretary. And mm-hmm. um, it's another, it's, it's, I think it's one of his early almost romances for Spider-Man um, where they uh, they often talk about going on a date, but he gets drawn away to be Spider Man, which mm-hmm. is you know that it's that that's such a common uh, theme in in superhero books. Yeah, same with Daredevil, same with, with Daredevil. Karen Page, yeah. yeah. And she sees uh, he's decided to go to the circus, and she sees the ticket, the ticket, because he <laughs> drops it, and she's so upset that he's not that he's choosing the circus over, over her, or yeah. even more so for not inviting her yeah. to go to the circus. Yeah. And it did you raise the circus I, in secret. I did doing? wonder because he goes there as Spider Man. Did he yeah. really need a ticket? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, well, one thing we should mention here though is that another thing that drew him as well was the fact that the proceeds were going to charity. That's right. Yes. And he makes a couple of comments you know, as well, well, it's for charity. So yeah. maybe he bought the ticket because he wants to, you know, not just give Spider-Man to everybody. He wants to yeah. give a little dinero as a, well. So. Such a great guy. Yeah, great guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, this is the same circus that, um, that Foggy, Karen, and Matt are going to. Fo- uh, Foggy and Karen are taking Matt to the circus. They're going to describe it to him. But I think Matt didn't want to go. No. And then he saw on a headline that Spider-Man was going to be there. And I yeah. think he wanted to kind of see Spider-Man in action again. Yeah. He was curious, yeah. Um, and you know, there's, there's, I think it's later on in the book, but there's a great line like, uh, "Even a blind man can enjoy the circus." <laughs> See, Matt. <laughs> See? <laughs> um, so they 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 will go to the circus, and the ringmaster does his usual thing, which is that he puts on a little bit of a show, and he, it seems like he actually has a pretty decent 
but like he's he's the the, the henchmen that he has are all very accomplished there's yeah. uh, like later on you see there's some acrobats there's there's a strong man or a, um you know they they all have enough gimmick that you think do they really need to rob people but <laughs> um but his main gimmick is that he as you mentioned he has the hypnosis hat right um so the crowd are there everyone's getting very excited but then they're getting more like they're getting angry that spider-man hasn't made his appearance so spider-man thinks i better step in and and you know give them what they want um and the ringmaster actually hypnotizes him and the crowd right except but but we're lucky daredevil can't see yeah and since he can't see he can't see the the spinny hypnosis thingamabob that's Mm -hmm. on his hat so he's the only person in the entire place that um, is not hypnotized. Yeah. So which is a perfect example of another superhero coming in to save the day mm-hmm. uh, because Spider-Man at this point is hypnotized. So he can do, I mean, he'll do whatever the ringmaster tells him to do. Yeah. Which is obviously stop Daredevil when Daredevil, yeah. when Matt quickly changes, goes to try to stop the ringmaster. He ends up getting in a big fight with Spider-Man. Yeah. And uh, it, it lasted over several pages. And it was it was a cool little fight. Yeah, it's very acrobatic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, they and, they're constant, there. and they're constantly, uh, comp- not just compliment, they're kind of complimenting each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But because uh, Spider-Man's hypnotized, he mm-hmm. isn't using his full strength. So that's how they, they uh, level the playing field. Right, because you had mentioned earlier, you still have to be the strongest character in your book. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes in as a guest star, at the end of the day, you have to be the one that saves the day. So, yeah. yeah. And um, Spider-Man is, I, I can't remember where he fits in that graph. We talked about that that chart um, oh, he's in the a, last episode, but he's pretty high up. He's in got, terms of his power? Yeah, he's, he's a four. Yeah. He's a four out of seven, yeah. And I think that was like two tons or something. Yeah. And there's a great, um, ugh, off the top of my head, I think it's episode, uh, issue, sorry. <laughs> issue 33 of Spider-Man, which is the, a, a, a classic story where he is trapped under a, a, a couple of tons of machinery and it's ha- has to lift it up to get out. And it, it, so, you, he, like we said, he is a very strong character, but because he's been hypnotized, he's pulling his punches or he isn't as... He's, he's more just agile and um, an annoyance almost in some of the some of the sequences. He's just keeping Daredevil busy while they rob the right. patrons. <laughs> there is one page, and I can't remember if it's before or after uh, Sp- uh, Spider-Man snaps out of it, mm-hmm. but there's a page where we see, you know, actually, I do remember, it It was while he was doing his acrobats, mm-hmm. or, or, or where he was doing all the little moves and stuff to entertain the crowd. So this yeah. was actually before he was hypnotized. I, it was either a full-page spread or, or at least half, maybe three-quarters of the page, where Steve Dicko did a great job of you know, leading your eye across a page with art where we see there's probably six or seven different images of Spider-Man throughout the page Mm -hmm. and different depths as well. So they're not all the same size. Some are really small way in the background, but you can kind of follow him as he does his aerobatic flips and all of those things. And he comes up and lands close to, you know, quote unquote camera right towards Mm -hmm. the reader at the front of the page. It was a neat little art art page. I can't remember... uh, I I don't remember the page number, but it was cool. Yeah, maybe we could uh, uh, put put that in the show notes. Maybe yeah. we should start doing that when we talk about an image. We could say which page number. It is. Yeah, we can. We can put. I can do some work. And put some. <laughs> um, and um, the yeah, Daredevil grabs Ringmaster's hat mm-hmm. and breaks the spell on Spider Man, and he just basically Spider Man just goes to town on on the gang, mm-hmm. and Daredevil says, I, "I'm not really needed." Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's funny that you say that because at, at the very beginning. 
Daredevil does a, there's a couple panels where he does the fight mm-hmm. and then Spider-Man's sort of like, well, you know what? You got your chance. Yeah. Let me step in now. I and, yeah, I got this. Let me show you what <laughs> I can do. Th- this was a common thing in a lot of these early Marvel issues. They didn't want to show the superheroes fighting the villain together. Yeah. It was always one and then the other. Yeah. So one starts fighting goons and bad guys and the main villain, mm-hmm. and then he'll be done yeah. for whatever reason. And then the, the second uh, superhero will come in, and then he'll get a couple blows in and, and yeah. throw some punches and stuff. I don't know why uh, they didn't draw it together. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and often they would, they would just vanish. The, the yeah. other hero would just be gone, and they'd be like, well, he left because obviously... Yeah, you can handle this. Yeah. Um, oh, there's oh, one of my favorite images is in this issue where uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Daredevil rolls himself up Oh, yeah. or, or he, he turns his body kind of into a ball mm-hmm. and rolls across the ground and knocks over six or seven of, of the remaster's goons like they were bowling pins. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great image of you know him literally holding his knees in ball form, rolling across the ground, and people just tipping over. Yeah, and he even says in the dialogue or in the the notes about you know, and he knocked him over like how a bowling ball would yeah. would knock over some pins. <laughs> Sure, that was Stanley. Show don't tell, Stan. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the one of my favorite images in this, and I don't know why. I just, I, and I, you know, I'm a big Ditko fan. Um, I love how he draws him holding the hat to break the hypnosis on Spider-Man. It's just like this very simple side-on image, and it's just there's a little bit of reservation. Like I'm not sure if this is going to work, but Spider-Man's coming for Daredevil, and he just breaks the the spell on him or the, the hypnosis on him. And it's, it's, you know, it's Steve Ditko just being Steve Ditko is one. It's just like really looks, it, it's borderline odd, but it works so well. Um, then Matt just, uh, or Daredevil gets back into the crowd because he thinks, well, I better get back into my seat when they break the, the yeah, spell. Yeah, it was Sp- yeah, it was Spider, yeah, Spider-Man yeah. broke the, uh, the spell and everyone using the hat like in uh, reverse. Yeah, I think there's like a reverse setting. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Click. Um, and uh, and he sits down and uh, everyone's coming out of their their moment, but uh, their spell. Um, and he quickly shouts out, uh, well done, Spider-Man, bravo, good work. Mm-hmm. And Spider-Man, and I think, didn't this happen in another book where, oh, it was uh, Kazar, hears his voice, because he, he blends into a crowd and then as Matt shouts out something and they go, that was Daredevil. I don't know where he is, but... <laughs> It can't, can't be that guy over there, the blind guy. But I think it was Foggy, uh, is Foggy or Karen or somebody made a comment like, "See, wasn't the wasn't the circus great? Like, <laughs> I knew you could enjoy it, Matt." <laughs> oh, but when they when they uh, when Spider Man unhypnotized them, I don't remember if there was like a setting that made this happen, but he made it so everyone had a good time. Yeah, everyone but, was very happy. Yeah, they, they enjoyed it. Yeah. And- <laughs> Good work, Spider-Man. So um, that was, I think that's, uh, as we said, that's his first guest spot in a book. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was really, you know, it's fun. It has enough elements to make it a part of the continual Amazing Spider-Man story at that point. Um, there's the elements of, like, the suggestion of... Um, and it's something that I think Marvel does really well where they, they drop hints of what, what is possibly going to be coming, like you said about the Mary Jane Watson. Um, you see all of the cast of both books pretty well um they 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 cram everyone in there very nicely um i did notice that this was i think this was a 22 page thing it was i noticed that's so funny i noticed that too yeah and daredevil at this point is 20 20, and they've they've got the the 
pattern down so well in the in the Daredevil book, the beats mm-hmm. are almost uh, universal. And I bet if you go back and look at the page counts when when things happen, it will almost match issue for issue. So they've got it. The, the the rhythm of the book is down really well. And I think the Spider-Man book had a little more. Um, uh, Ditko's uh, page breakdowns had a lot of panels and he had a lot of stuff going on in the panels he had a lot of character work going on and he's very character driven he also tend to uh, do much wider yeah wider shots as well mm-hmm. in yeah. his panels yeah not very many close-ups like gene colon right now in in uh what we're going to talk about uh, i guess it, it's in the uh, next next uh podcast that we do he does a lot more close-ups yeah and uh steve dicko much more on the uh um on each panel which is great because you can see more but also less detail yeah so, a lot more simplified. Yeah, it's like a very um, mid-shot to close-up kind of ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, that was I really enjoyed it, and um, I really I like Spider-Man as a character. It's a, it's a great, simple story. And the, the, it's funny that the Ringmaster pops up a couple more times, and we'll mention that later on. But he just seemed to be, um, I think at the end, isn't there at the end, Matt offers him, his services as a lawyer as he's been taken away. Oh, he's to like, the ringmaster. Like, he does. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. How dare you or something. <laughs> uh, so then the next uh, time that we see Daredevil in, a, in another book that's mm-hmm. not the uh, Daredevil, the main title, uh, is just two more issues later in, in Amazing Spider-Man 18. Yeah. We get just a little glimpse of Daredevil in one panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson is on some spiel about how, you know, Spider-Man's terrible. He's a coward. Yeah. And uh, we, we have a nice couple panels where we see um, a whole bunch of superheroes reacting mm-hmm. to what J. Jonah Jameson has, was saying, and we see Daredevil, and uh, he's still in his yellow suit at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, uh, and then he just kind of has a reaction like, Ugh, "Boy, man, my, I can't believe my senses were so wrong. I thought he was a valiant fighter. I thought yeah. he was tough, but uh, I guess he's a coward because yeah. in that in that issue." Uh, you know, everyone thinks Spider-Man is Everyone's, a sissy. Yeah, because he's he's avoiding fighting because uh, Aunt May's sick, so mm-hmm. he's he's holding back. And um, later on in the issue, Flash Thompson is, uh, and this was I, I thought this was another great thing that Spider-Man had, where they had Flash Thompson, who was such an antagonist to Peter Parker, was one of Spider-Man's biggest fans. And often there was this this great contrast where he would be singing the praises of Spider-Man and talking about how people didn't know what they were talking about, and then he'd go and bully. Peter Parker and, <laughs> and Peter was just like, oh come on, <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, I I you know I I read that and I couldn't work out if that was just in Spider-Man's head or if it was actual the heroes are actually thinking that because it is just such a uh, it's just one image of his head floating along and and it's Jay Jonah doing his thing where he's mm-hmm. hired out a TV station for the day <laughs> to just rant about right about um, Spider-Man, but yeah, I, I really couldn't tell if it was uh, if it was just the, and and it's you know um, we mentioned this before with with Daredevil that whole thing of like the public perception mm-hmm. and being such a major thing and people thinking that a hero is a coward is such a yeah that happens a lot in the Daredevil book yeah. and, and these superheroes especially in these early issues they really care about what people think about them yeah they really want to be seen in a positive light and anytime something like this happens it's it's terrible for mm-hmm. them yeah. Yeah, so that's it. He just pops up quickly. Yeah, a little shadow of Daredevil. Daredevil. And that was in uh, in 1964, November 1964, Amazing Spider-Man 18. Um, and then we jump forward a little bit to... Um, there's going to be a couple of these that are just very quick uh, 
uh, guest spots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next one is uh, Uncanny X Men. Uncanny X Men number yeah. thirteen, and this was a book that um, um, there is a great podcast that I, that I highly recommend uh, checking out called um, J. M. Miles Explain the X Men, um, which is talking about the X Men in great detail and depth. Um, they they kind of brush over the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. very quickly that I think the first maybe the first episode or two episodes talk about the Silver Age but then they have Kurt Busick uh, guest on the on the show and he talks a little more about the the characters and the story and this is taking place in the in the Silver Age of the book um, it's 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 you often forget that the X-Men when uh, when we were when we started reading books there was like two periods in the 80s it was one of the biggest books around mm-hmm. and in the 90s when you oh, started yeah. it was huge it was huge um and um the back then it wasn't that big of a hit it wasn't that big of a success it was very do you do you remember when sorry to interrupt do you remember when uh a lot of people are mad about this actually but it was X-Men, I don't know if it's just X-Men 1, if it was just the title. It was when they spun off the, they had the Uncanny X-Men and right. X-Men. Do you remember how uh, issue one is the one with Magneto mm-hmm. or, or Magneto? I can't believe I said Magneto. I'd never say that. It's Magneto. <laughs> I apologize, everybody at home. But, I'll say uh, Magneto. Yeah, he's, his hands up and it's like, a, they have several different variant covers. Yeah, and, and it, it was folded out. Yeah. And- and you could buy mm-hmm. several different versions. I think there was five covers. Yeah, and this was—I don't know—this is the first time, but this gets credited uh, for a lot of things. One thing is that it made the value of comic books go down because people were starting to value variants mm-hmm. more than the actual issue itself. The same yeah. thing happened with with sports trading cards. And yeah, things it was where, a speculator market really right. took off around this time. Yeah, and I think it was that issue specifically because there were so many versions, mm-hmm. everybody went out and bought all the different covers yeah. and it made the actual value of the book go down quite a bit. Yeah, I think they sold 5 million copies, I think. Yeah. It may have been more. I'm sure someone it might be. Me. Is it? At least at one point, it was the, the highest selling comic yeah. book of all time, mm-hmm. and it still might be. And it was specifically because of the the, the different versions. Yeah, and it was also this was this was pre image, and this mm-hmm. was at a time when um, the artist on the book, uh, Jim Lee, Jim Lee was yeah. a superstar. He's oh, kind goodness, of still yeah. considered a superstar yeah. now, but yeah. he's more um, involved in editorial side at, right. at DC than. Um, and he this was a, this was also towards the end of Chris Claremont's. Um, I know he wrote for a couple more years after this at least, mm-hmm. but this was the first time um, I think that, that uh, funnily enough, I'm going to say it was the first time, but it's the first time in a long time that a, an artist had kind of been bumped above Chris Claremont. Right. Chris Claremont um, on the book, he took over in, I'm going to get the number so wrong because we had the giant size X-Men and then it went into 96 or 97 and it Mm -hmm. was, um, I don't think Chris Claremont wrote the very first few, but Dave Cochran was the artist. And then um, there's a, there's a a turnaround of artists very early on. And John Byrne was another superstar artist, but he, they, they fell out over storyline and um, um, there was a few, a lot of uh, superstar artists work on on the X Men book, and I think Jim Lee was the first time that that um, Chris Claremont in seventeen years had been told no, they're the artists right above you. Sorry, yeah. buddy. Um, and it, you know, it's funny because of what happens on Daredevil later with uh, Frank Miller, and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and 
we really got on a tangent. Yeah, sorry, that was a real that, tangent. That, 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 that's my fault. We, we, <laughs> we started talking about about X Men and uh, yeah, I'm I, I really that I'm sorry. That's uh, you, you mentioned it, and I'm a big Chris Claremont fan. I yeah, love yeah. his writing yeah, style, and it's it's very similar to. Um, it kind of comes from the Roy Thomas style, which came from the Stan Lee style, which is like very descriptive, um, very uh, purple mm-hmm. writing. Um, so anyway, X Men Thirty. Yeah. So so uh, <laughs> X Men Thirty. Th- th- this is uh, Matt Murdock's first appearance in the X Men book, but we don't actually see him in his Daredevil costume. We don't know. Yeah, he's in court, uh, which is something that's rarely drawn in the in the first uh, few years mm-hmm. in Daredevil. But he's in court, and um, I believe uh, uh, the re- we see him because Professor X is using his uh, his helmet, the uh, Cerebro. Yeah, they call but it. It's called something else. It's like the the, the 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 men, the mental helmet or the mento yeah. helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's using it to track down Juggernaut. Yeah, and what they wanted to do here is they wanted to show how powerful this uh, device is that Professor X is using. So Matt, while he is in court doing a case, he feels like a disturbance. Yeah, and a force. exactly. <laughs> Some type of vibrations or mm-hmm. something that a normal person. Couldn't feel, but because he has these super senses, he's able to yeah. to feel to feel that something is weird going on in, in the air, and that was the whole purpose. So it entered it introduced Daredevil to the X Men universe, but but uh, it, it was just so that they yeah. you know hey a blind man with super senses can, can sense what's going on. Yeah, this so. is this is something big that's happening, and it's yeah. it's you know the juggernaut is is uh, the radio waves. That's the words I'm thinking of. Yes. So Daredevil can sense can, ra- radio waves. He's, he's amazing. He can sense everything. <laughs> um, yeah, we could go on and on and on and on and on about the X Men and the Juggernaut, and he's and like I said, just just look him up on uh, yeah. uh, Jay and Miles explain the X Men. They do a much better job. He's very complicated. But the X Men at this point was still Lee Kirby um, as a bunch of uh, Incas, um, uh, Jay Gavin, Joe Sinot, um, Sam Rosen, the letterer extraordinaire, is is doing his work there. Um, and I, I always got the impression um, that Jack Kirby wasn't that into drawing the X-Men book. Everything always seems very, like, okay, I, it, I don't know. It seems, you know, he's, he's such a great artist anyway, but it always feels like the X-Men book was the last one on his to-do list. Because <laughs> um, he was drawing Fantastic Four. Thor. Thor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And he was doing a lot of layouts and a lot of cover yeah. work and, and, you know, there's a famous story, um, apocryphal as far as I know, where, um, uh, there was a book that had been drawn and Stan wasn't happy. Oh, um, I know this story. And he and went I think to, you're the one told to me. Yeah. About, I know he story, went to yeah. Jack and he said, we need to get this finished. And I think Jack Kirby drew the whole book in a weekend. In a weekend. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's quite a machine, and he's an, he's an incredible. It it took me a long time to appreciate Jack Kirby. I will say that when I was younger, I didn't get it. I would often get reprints of Marvel books, of uh, Bronze and Silver Age books in the UK, and I loved John Romita, I loved Sal mm-hmm. Buscema, and those guys. But Jack Kirby, I couldn't get my head around it. I couldn't understand. I got how dynamic it was, but there was something that wasn't connecting for me, and it wasn't until. Uh, much later, when I went and read the the, um, the DC stuff that he did with Mister Miracle and um, Dark Side and mm-hmm. um, the Fourth World stuff, that I really was like, okay, I get it now. That's good. But yeah, this it's 
this is a fun book, but it's it's that one panel cameo. I yeah. don't think we need to spend any more time no. on the X Men. L- let's quickly move on. Yeah, we'll quickly start. move on. Before uh, we... So the fourth time, I think yeah, it is the fourth time we see um, Daredevil in a different book, and this is once again a a really quick little cameo, but it's in Journey into Mystery. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, with with Thor that you mentioned. So so Jack Kirby did this one as well. Yeah, I believe he did. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'll just tell you guys uh, the cameo. So basically, what happens is, is um, a member of Rick Jonas's team brigade is they're trying to contact superheroes for help, and it, there's a little teenager. He's on the phone and he's trying to reach the Avengers because it was I think the Executioner and the Enchantress mm-hmm. are out and about in the city, and they're trying to um, you know they're just destroying stuff and attacking yeah. people. So this teen's trying to get the Avengers help to come save the day. Yeah, and, and Thor at this stage is sli- is very depowered. Right. Yeah, so. he has no power here, and uh, uh, so no one from Avengers is picking up. So Daredevil just so happens at this exact moment to be swinging by the window, and so and uh, this teenager I can't remember if they gave him a name or not, but he looks out the window and he sees Daredevil. He's like, oh great, there's a superhero! So he calls out. He's like, Daredevil, Daredevil, I need you, I need you. And Daredevil's like, I don't have time for autographs right now. I'm on my way to go. I got to go track down the Submariner. Mm-hmm. So it's a neat little tie-in because this goes back to issue seven of the yeah. Daredevil series. Where uh, towards the middle, towards end of that that issue, Daredevil is looking for the Submariner, mm-hmm. and so this cuts in into that moment right there. So yeah. it, was a, it was a cool little thing. So yeah. we only see Daredevil in a few panels here in this issue, but it, it was neat that it, it relates to the actual mm-hmm. uh, Daredevil. And he's in costume, book, yeah, mm-hmm. swinging by, swinging by. Um, and um, the next one is what did we have that down as? Is this the, oh, the, oh! Now this is the this is we're, we're going to shift from cameo to actual guest star. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Daredevil plays a big role in a two issue arc. Yeah. of uh, Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four mm-hmm. issue thirty nine and forty. Um, this was Jack Kirby. This was Jack Kirby, and this is uh, um, and a blind man shall lead him. I think is the title. Of yeah. Oh, and I absolutely love that. Uh, I love that cover. Yeah. The cover of issue 39 is a daredevil. He's kind of hunched over with his cane out, mm-hmm. looking exactly like how you'd imagine a blind man looking. But he's in his full daredevil costume, and he had the Fantastic Four behind him. And then Doom is up in the background, kind of towering over them. Yeah. But it's like a blind man leading superheroes. So they yeah. li- they're literally taking the uh, the title and, and showing you through an image. And this is uh, it's a pretty famous um, two-parter. Um, the um, uh, what, what's happened is that the Fantastic Four have uh, have been depowered. Yeah, um, they've gone up against Doom. Sarah, at this stage, Doom and Fantastic Four are pretty much weakly, almost yeah. destroying each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, it starts with the Fantastic Four being picked up in. I think they're floating in the ocean. Yeah, they're they? in the ocean, mm-hmm. and, and they just recently lost their their powers. Yeah, yeah. And um, and fan, <laughs> Mr. Fantastic. There, there are so many leaps. I have, I, I love the Fantastic Four for, for two reasons: the Thing and Sue Storm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, the Human Torch. I can, I could do without, but yeah, I, <laughs> I do like Mister Fantastic. Mr. I know, Fantastic what, I know what you're going to talk about, but <laughs> he's like, he's the smartest man in the world, but he always comes up with these incredibly idiotic. Yeah, they're, they're not the best ideas, but his idea is and he gets his lawyer to check on, check on the <laughs> he brings in Matt just to make sure if it's uh, he just wants to discuss some stuff because you know he says we're depowered so yeah. just want to check in with you so he, come along Matt. Yeah, and uh 
it's it's so funny because I don't want to give away the end of the, these two issues. What happens? But he's really concerned that the Fantastic Four have lost their powers, mm-hmm. and Mr. Fantastic I think cares more than the other three do. Yeah. But he is really really concerned for their life and safety because he believes if anybody, specifically Doctor Doom, mm-hmm. um, if you know if anyone finds out that we're powerless, we're vulnerable. Yeah. So so that's when he calls Matt Murdock and he's like, look. You are our power of attorney because mm-hmm. you're our lawyer, you, or you have our power of attorney. So I just want to make sure that if anything happens to me, that all of my research and everything goes to the government. Yeah, and uh, so that's when Daredevil kind of comes in. And it's funny because there's an actual reference in this issue where that goes back to the second issue of Daredevil, which thing pops up in that issue really quickly. Uh, asking Matt, breaking doors, yeah, breaking doors. <laughs> asking Nelson and Murdoch that uh, to hire a lawyer. Um, for the lease agreement with Baxter building. But at the end of the issue, the Fantastic Four show up and they're like, hey, so where's this lease agreement that you're supposed to be working on? And Matt Burdock's like, oh, I didn't have time to do it. And they're like, well, screw you then, and we're out of here. And then they leave. But they reference in this issue that uh, Matt's been their lawyer the whole time. He's like, well, I've been their lawyer since issue two. Yeah. Obviously, he didn't say since issue two, but yeah. uh, maybe maybe Mr. Fantastic said, don't worry about this thing. You're our (laughs) lawyer. It's okay. We understand. (laughs) We understand. Um. What, uh, what can, we, can we just take a moment to talk about how awesome Dr. Doom is? Yeah. Oh. I am a huge Dr. Doom fan. I, I'd have to say of every Marvel villain, he's probably my favorite. Yeah. And I, I love his combination of intelligence, science, and magic, and, and everything pulled together. Yeah. So early on, because I hadn't read very much of his earlier stuff, Early on, he didn't. There was really no mention of magic, and they kind of left. It was all more the science and the inventions. Yeah, he was the type of guy that would create this insane invention that only him or Reed Richards could invent. Yeah. and and that's how he would foil everything. And, yeah, yeah. And they often touch on that with with the two characters being the only. They can walk into any room with any scientific equipment in and work out what every single piece does. What everything how everything works and mm-hmm. what it all does. And um, and the, the great thing about Dr. Doom is you cannot overwrite him. It's impossible to go too far with him. Whatever you think is the most absurd thing that he can be saying or doing, it works because he's just, he's just such a great, huge, just a large character. Yeah. He's one of the reasons why, and I know a lot of people don't like this series, but Secret Wars, oh, I enjoy Are you talking it. about the, the newer one? The I'm talking about the 80... 384, okay. whatever it was. I have, love have that. you read the new one? I haven't read the new you one. You need to read the new one. Okay, I'll it's, read it, the new it, one. It, it is really good. The original Secret Wars is great. This one is, is different, but Dr. Doom is amazing in the new Secret Wars. Okay, good. Yeah, he, he's really good. He's in control of all Battle World or, or oh, all, yeah. of, mm-hmm. of all the different uh, places and stuff. Oh, it's so cool. I love it. <laughs> I love but it. even in the old one, which people yeah. are just like, oh, it's a toy commercial, it's badly mm-hmm. written, and you know, Jim Shooter and, and Mike Zack and blah, blah, blah. I thought Doctor Doom was so great in that series, and it was the first time I really, you know, that it, it touched on that idea. And I think this is something that Jack Kirby has said in the past, where he's his idea of Doctor Doom is that he wears the mask even though all he has is like a scratch. It's, yeah, on his just face. A t- it's a tiny little scar. Yeah, but he's so self conscious because he's used to being perfect. Yeah, when it comes to not just his looks, but his, specifically his brain. Yeah, any type of scar makes him less than perfect, which is yeah. You know, and he also is—he's um, very prone to uh, to wine and dine in the ladies. He's a—you mm-hmm. know—any female hero that comes anywhere near him, he will give them a nice meal and be very gentlemanly towards them. Yeah. But he—he he hates Richard. He—he he is a 
he's a classy villain. Yeah. In the sense that if he doesn't like you, he'll treat you like crap, and he'll say be gone. Or, or th- there's at one point I don't I don't know if it's in one of these two issues or if, if it's in a Daredevil issue later on where you know somebody brings him a plate of food. Yeah. And he goes, I'm not hungry. Throw that stuff to the pigs. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> and but if he respects you, mm-hmm. then he treats you on a whole different level. Yeah. He he really does. And we're going to talk about that in the next podcast uh, when uh, uh, Doctor Doom guest stars in a, in a couple of uh, Daredevil issues. Yeah. But I, d- I just. He's such a dynamic character. He's so so there's so many pieces to Doctor Doom. Yeah, and I know we could spend the this whole podcast talking about him. But actually, at this point, um, he doesn't have an origin yet, or does he? They haven't talked. To, they haven't I, talked about how how his, you know his mom's a witch and he's yeah. raised by the tribe. I don't think I, they touch on that, but they do tie him to the Fantastic Four very very early on, and I think okay. it's established that him and Reed. Are, are um, I mean, they haven't talked about his background or, or, or no, anything, I don't and how, so. how he developed kind of the, you know, how he conquered mystic arts. Yeah, and, and no, all. I don't think that. that That's not until later on. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he, uh, the, the Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic has developed these suits and mm-hmm. uh, ways of cheating the powers so that they can hide that they don't have them. And he gives uh, Ben Grimm like a robot suit to control, which is exactly that has the strength of Doctor, or yeah. has the strength of the thing, yeah. and it is he has the the same type of skin texture, everything. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a robot thing, yeah. Which is which makes the the why did you create so a whole bunch more. of these earlier yeah, on? <laughs> like the Doom bots, he's got a thing bot, yeah, um, and he gets a suit that is uh, that pretty much gives. Um, uh, Johnny, Johnny's powers, mm-hmm. um, a kind of camouflage suit for Sue, and then he has these absurd robot arms, arms for himself yeah, that, yeah. that articulate in all these funky ways. Um, and it, it's a, they, they have a quick sequence of them trying out their powers yeah. and realizing that they're not as sw- as slick as they are. And, and the whole time, Mister Fantastic, Reed, he's like, "You got to try harder." Yeah, it's like you cannot give up. <laughs> like, if a bad guy comes, we have to be prepared. Yeah, and while this is going on, Matt quickly slips on his daredevil costume yeah. for no other reason than because they want him in his daredevil costume yeah um while this is going on um doom has taken over the baxter building mm-hmm. and is basically using all of the um the tools at his disposal all mr right. fantastic's inventions to because he he instantly knows how to work these machines because yeah. of his brilliance yeah and he's gone in and he's like something's up like i this is my chance to get revenge and that's Pretty much every time he appears in any Fantastic Four book, it's his chance to get his revenge because they've right. slighted him at some point. But at this point, Doctor Doom does not know that the Fantastic Four are powerless. No, he doesn't find that till later on in the in the in issue thirty nine. Yeah. So Daredevil's there, and and <laughs> this is something that happens so often in uh, in comic books when somebody loses their powers or. We talked about this in a couple podcasts ago where Daredevil lost his super senses. Mm-hmm. They become completely worthless. Yeah. It's like <laughs> without their powers, they are terrible. Yeah. And this is a perfect case where Doctor Doom, you know, he's in control of the Baxter Building. He's sending all of Reed's gadgets over yeah, to stop like him. The Fantastic Four, yeah. And the the Fantastic Four can't do anything. So Daredevil's there to save the day. And, and there's a panel dedicated uh, to to Daredevil. Um, jumping in the way and pushing a member of the Fantastic Four away. And he does this for all four of them. There's yeah. panels for each of that. So at one point, he jumps and protects Sue. At one point, he jumps and protects Reed by pushing them out of the way mm-hmm. of harm with the thing, Van Grimm. And it's just funny because it's like, can't these guys dodge out of the way on their own? <laughs> Instead, Daredevil has to jump in and push him out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. 
Um, they they decide that they've got to get to the building to stop Doom, yeah. and uh, they kind of split up into groups. Um, and because the reason uh, there's a device that mm-hmm. Reed Richards has to go try to get his hands on that could potentially give them their their power back. Yeah, and it's at this point that Doctor Doom figures out that they're powerless because using his own brilliance, he he deduces or he figures out there's no other way that they would not be attacking yeah. back unless they don't have yeah, their powers. Yeah, exactly. Something's up. Yeah. Um, the the first the the splash page or the the first page of the second issue of issue forty is fantastic. It has Doom standing up on top of the building with like this crazy device that he's firing out at, and the 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 uh, the five heroes are all trying to get to him, but they're all they're like they're they're larger. Everyone's larger than the city. They look like they're giants in the city, and they're just kind of trying to get to him. But it's just telling you what the, like a good quick overview. Um, and he sends all these device. He sends these crazy little um, like uh, cap flying cameras to try and find them um, through the city, and they're flying yeah. around and they're like programmed to find them. These little magic eye devices, and uh, it has this. This is uh, I think you want to talk about this. Your favorite? <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, I mentioned at the very start of this podcast that uh, Jack Kirby had a lot of fun with Daredevil's Billy Club. And uh, he he made him do some insanely cool things with that Billy Club, and at this moment, uh, I've never seen this reference. Have you ever seen this since? No, I issue? don't think I have. I don't so think it's ever used again. ever used like this again. So Daredevil takes his Billy Club, and he you know obviously at the hinge or, or whatever at the bend, he bends it a couple times, and he turns it into a gun, mm-hmm. and he fires. He only has one shot. Yes. Yeah. Or he only has time to shoot once. Mm-hmm. And he shoots down this robot with his billy club. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the bullet was, the gunpowder, what he uses as, a, as the trigger. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he turns the billy club into a gun and shoots down the little remote con- or the little flying uh, thingamabob, that, mm-hmm. that, like the flying camera. Very interesting take on on the uh, the yeah. Billy Club there. It's like a four panel sequence where he quickly pulls out yeah. like a target, a, a shoulder holster. You know that was all Jack Kirby. Yeah, that yeah. Was, and it's just fantastic. He just shoots this thing out of the sky. Um, then they get to the Baxter Building, and <laughs> it's always funny when they like this great uh, super hero battles going on and there's a villain there but then the doorman's there to let them <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know always keep up the appearances of the Baxter building being very proper um they get back into the building and there's a, a whole thing which is kind of uh, it's the first time it happens and it uh, we'll, we'll go into this later as well in the next episode when we talk about doom and, and daredevil in his own book but um he sends this little device that's like fire trailing around this another flying device after him and, and doom comments on the fact that like this, that Daredevil senses must be incredible. There's no mm-hmm. way someone could dodge this thing. Right. Um, and th- th- that happens a lot where he... Something will happen where Daredevil has to be more acrobatic than people think you can be. Yeah. Or he has to use a sense that is more apparent to what he actually has, his ability to, to sense yeah. things better. There's several pages in this issue where Daredevil kind of fights one-on-one with Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Actually, this is issue forty. Mm-hmm. We're, kind of, we're kind of talking talking about them together, thirty nine and forty. Mm-hmm. In, in issue forty, uh, you know they've all split up at this point. Um, Reed is trying to get to the Baxter Building to fi- to get this device that can potentially give um, everybody their power back, all the Fantastic Four. And so Daredevil is like, "Okay, you go get this device, and I'm going to keep Doctor Doom distracted." Mm-hmm. So one on one, 
And I mean, realistically, if you think of how doc- powerful Doctor Doom is, Daredevil wouldn't stand a chance one on one. And we see that later. Yeah, but but here there's a there's a cool moment over a couple pages where he actually gets some good blows in, and they have a nice little battle. Mm-hmm. And Daredevil holds his own for a while. Yeah, it, it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, he holds him off. Then there's another uh, fun Billy Club device in this bit where that's. The device that's been flying around has stopped spewing fire and it explodes and it's flying towards him as it's about to explode. And he shrapnel, yeah, the shrapnel explodes uh-huh. and he quickly extends the, the Int- umbrella. Or yeah, it yeah, is. It is, uh, I have it written down here. Uh, da, da, da. oh, it pops out a telescope flexi shield. There you go, that, that blocks the metal, yeah, that blocks the metal pieces. Yep. <laughs> So that's a nice little touch. And then the, um, you, you discover exactly how dangerous it is to get into the backs of the building uninvited. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. see, like, the This the building has so many traps. And, yeah. and, so, uh, and Dr. Doom figures out how to use all of these. As we mentioned before, he can do anything that Reed can do, and he thinks yeah. he can do it better. Um, but, yeah, so, so the, pretty much the majority of issue 40 is the Fantastic Four trying to make their way up to the roof or up to the top floor of the Baxter building so Reed can get the device and they can, uh, I guess, save Daredevil because Daredevil's fighting him up there too. So two things happening at once. And on their way up, they have to keep dodging all of these devices and mm-hmm. things that are that are trying to, you know, kill them. At one point, they're in the elevator and they set the elevator on fire. Or, yeah, or, they've or, got like three seconds to get out of to the get elevator. Out of it really and quickly. Reed's like, get out, you idiots, move yeah. or something. <laughs> He's such a jerk. <laughs> so as you can all imagine, obviously, they get up to the top um, and Reed is able to get his hands on this device. Yeah. Um, I Did you write that down? Yeah, I've got that. I, I just want to actually tell you what. So this is like a high tense moment, and he's trying to. This is the leader, Reed Richards, at the Fantastic Four. This is his yeah. his pep speak, pep talk to get okay. them out of the elevator. All right, let's hear it. Shut up and keep moving. This is no joke. Hurry. <laughs> <laughs> such a charmer. So so they get on. <laughs> so uh, Reed gets this contraption, and I have it written down. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, if you, it's yeah, the, if you um, pull it up on it that. It is the. Um, um, the stimulator. Okay, so he gets the stimulator. Clever uh-huh. name, thanks, Stanley. Gets the stimulator and shoots these rays at each member of the Fantastic Four yeah. to give them back their powers. And there's a brilliant moment where Thing is like, he goes, "Hey, hold on a second. If you had this device the whole time, why didn't you just use it on us from the beginning? Yeah, why did you make those weird costumes?" Yeah, and Reed was like, "Well, because it needed a couple days to." A, a, a couple days to you know to recharge because he fought the scrolls with it and it lost all of its power. Mm-hmm. But this is the part that's so funny if you think about it. Why did he work so hard to make all those devices because they were helpless when all they had to do was go into hiding for like a day <laughs> <laughs> while this thing recharged? Yeah. But Reed, yeah, I guess that's not the way that he thinks. Yeah, and one of the I, I like how um, while this is going on, the he's he's repowered three of them. He's repowered himself, mm-hmm. Sue and Johnny, um, and Doctor Doom is kind of standing there, and then he he taps something with his foot, which uh, turns I think it just turns the air conditioning really high <laughs> yeah. because it freezes everyone, like gets sucked into this. Uh, this the, the, all the vents uh, mm-hmm. like make them frosty and. Um, Daredevil's there too, and he gets frozen as well. Yeah, yeah. and then this is and this is this is where like Reed, please, and like you said, oh my, there's goodness. a thin costume which has all his strength and all of that. <laughs> they're all they're doing fine. They're holding their own, but you know it's doom and it's it's kind of tricky. But there's this there's this couple of panels where Reed points the the stimulator 
<laughs> at Ben and says, um, now hold still, Ben. This is the last energy burst left. I don't want to miss. And Ben's <laughs> response is, but maybe I don't want to become the thing again. I'm finally normal like everyone. <laughs> and Reed's just like, you'd no choice, old friend. With Doom still at large, we need all our fighting strength. There's too much at stake. It's like, really? And <laughs> he's kind of a punk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, there were, I think there were a lot of ways that they could have defeated Dr. Doom yeah. at that moment. And then Sue off panel, I'm guessing it's Sue, says, poor Ben. It yeah. seems so cruel. And Reed's just like, I know, Sue, but it's the only way. No, it's <laughs> no, not. No, it is not. There's a lot of other yeah. ways. <laughs> and then and Ben is just like, okay, he becomes the thing again, and he's just like, I've had enough, and he just punches Doom as hard as I, he can several times. Th- this is the reason why I think that this uh, issue is as popular as it is. There's a really awesome battle between Thing and Doctor Doom um, at the end of issue yeah. 40, and ultimately the thing ends up beating dr doom and and is is gonna kill him yeah. i mean he he's just pounding him and pounding him and then and then a uh, reed good old reed comes in and was like stop right there he's defeated you just gotta let it go and uh and he and they walk away yeah and and doom kind of stumbles away with his suit in tatters it's kind of yeah like really great artwork the the whole thing like he He's just throwing like his entire um, his intellect and every gimmick that he has in his suit and in the the lab, and he's putting up this fight with all of these devices. And Ben is just pure raw strength, just punching through. The thing is just mm-hmm. going for it. And it's like rocks can't stop him. Um, any no, there's nothing that can stop him. He just keeps going and going and going. He's getting blasted, and he just keeps going. And it's it's yeah it's like what makes the thing so good yeah and what makes Reed such a jerk (laughs) to do that before before I move on one thing I did want to mention uh just another thing that shows how cool Dr. Doom is was he was in Latveria at the embassy Mm -hmm. um and uh he's uh so he's sitting there and he's just kind of minding his own business and he has a he has a magician that is uh trying to show off, do a little show for him. And he's mm-hmm. like, I, and Dr. Doom's like, I'm un, I'm unimpressed, you know, yeah. just, just be gone, be gone. And then he goes, well, I can, you know, I could prove to you that I'm a hypnotist or, and Dr. Doom's like, whatever, you can go ahead and try it on, on me, but I'm too powerful for that to work. And then he, the magician kind of does a reverse. It's like a, it's like a reversal hypnotized thing. Mm-hmm. And then at that moment, Dr. Doom realizes that Reed had put a spell Mm -hmm. on him, making him think that he had defeated the Fantastic Four in battle on a previous date. Mm -hmm. And what's key about this and why why I think Dr. Doom is so cool is having defeated Reed in the Fantastic Four at an earlier date made it so he didn't have to fight him anymore. He showed that he is the most powerful, so he's okay with them still yeah. being alive and still doing superhero stuff because he was able to defeat him. Yeah. But because he figures that he was actually tricked... Yeah, they duped th- him. They duped him. That's why he decides to go in and, uh, you know, yeah. t- try to go after the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. I just wanted yeah. to touch... I love Dr. Doom, sorry. Yeah. It, it, no, it, that's, it was such that's, a cool little moment. Yeah. Um, that that issue actually ends with uh, with Ben saying, like, I'm, I quit. You, the, you Yeah. That this is too much. You've I re- I read the next issue of Fantastic oh, Four because I was I was I was so curious, uh-huh. and it's got the uh, 
like it's the, got the, the, the evil bad four. I yeah, yeah, with, with Medusa and um, uh, Trapster, the Trapster who we see in Daredevil, Sandman, Sandman, and, and uh, the Wizard. Yes, and and the four of them capture thing, and and, and they're going to use them against them because because I was so into it. I, yeah. I, 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 I gotta know what happens <laughs> next. All right, so uh, the next time we see Daredevil after yes. Fantastic Four forty is in actually the Fantastic Four annual number three, which um, is a great issue. This oh. is this is the big this is the big marriage. This, this is where this is actually like the 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 current Avengers movies. This is yeah. like the the comic book equivalent <laughs> of that, I think, where Sue and Reed are getting married and we have so many guest stars, so many people show up. It's, mm-hmm. it, it was a really, really fun read. Yeah. And it's pretty it, it's only twenty something pages, but mm-hmm. they cram there's there's this there's a great thing that keeps happening in this book where um Every panel is pretty much an introduction to either a new hero or a new villain. And the gist of it is that Doom, once again, Doom is there. Yeah. And he's like, you're not going to have a good day. You're getting married. Yeah, he, he, he develops a machine that brainwashes all the villains in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, it just it, makes them angry. It makes them wanna, angry and want to and go, go out to the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. That's how he's going to destroy him at this point. What better venue to do it at than <laughs> at the wedding at the Baxter Building? Yeah. And so we see all of these superheroes come in to stop, uh, to stop the villains, to try to protect the day so their yeah. wedding doesn't end up um, being ruined. Yeah, and it's got, um, I mean, the, the cover alone is just full of villains and, and um, heroes fighting. Um the first page of the the thing, and this is uh, Jack Kirby drew it. Vince Coletta is the artist, and then Artie Simic is the letterer. Vince Coletta is one of the inkers that's been working on Daredevil as yeah. well, and it's it's a very different style to to the look of it. You can see a little bit of that more um, that kind of the work that he does with uh, Gene Colan mm-hmm. in, in Daredevil coming through. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, Victor Von Doom is holding up the paper. Today's the day wedding bells for Reed and Sue, and he's just looking miserable at the idea. And he's, <laughs> I love this, the, the second page where he's sitting in his uh, chair and he rips up the page, rips up the paper, then walks and then just kicks a door <laughs> in. <laughs> it's like, he's just going to kick a door open and then he, he activates the emotion charger, which is the machine that gets everybody going. Then we cut to the wedding, and the wedding is just like, it, it starts off with. Like uh, everyone's crowding there, and mm-hmm. TV cameras are there to capture the moment. And the thing is kind of hanging around outside, and he meets up with, um, you know, I wasn't sure. He says, "Hi, you stuck," and I'm guessing it's it's Tony, it's Tony. Stark. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I like, think there's another panel where 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 they say Tony Stark. It may not be right away yeah. after that. Um, and then there's um, a mention of Millie the model, which mm-hmm. she gets mentioned so much. She, she's constantly being referenced in these early Marvel books, and. Um, and the, the first villain that comes up is the puppet master, and I love how they do it. They deal with this is like it. It's so perfect because it's such a slow build. It starts with this one. The emotion charge is kicking in now. Mm-hmm. The first villain there is the the puppet master, and he walks up and he's his plan is that he's going to shake hands with Ben Grimm and poison him. Um, <laughs> and he starts walking towards him. And his it's hands like, made out of rock. I know. I was thinking, <laughs> how are you going to? But he's walking up and he's like, okay. Um, I know it's not actually him. It's like some other guy that he's controlling as a little puppet, isn't it? It's a guy in a top hat that he makes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as he's walking over, Nick Fury suddenly appears out of nowhere and just karate the chops day. the guy. Says, yeah, and, and this, happened, this happens throughout the entire book. Yeah. Yeah, All the, we get to see all these fun little superheroes foil what's going on. Yeah, and he says, uh, 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 S.H.I.E.L.D.'s hidden brainwave camera took a picture of this guy's head. He's, uh, he's obviously being controlled and... 
Ben Grimm's like, well, what do you know? <laughs> That's great. And, yeah. he's like, and then there's the most absurd villain. I didn't even, I know nothing about this villain, but the, 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 um, the puppet master's running off and he runs past three apes that are hanging out in an alleyway. I, Doesn't no respond idea. to them. It's just like three apes in an alleyway, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps going. And then out of the wall comes um, the red ghost and he's super apes. The red ghost and he's super apes. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. I, I got, um, when we started doing this, I actually ordered the um, an early run of the um, Marvel handbook um, or handbook to the Marvel Universe. And mm-hmm. I, I haven't cracked him open yet, but when we're done with this, I we're gonna a little find late, out I'm going to find out who exactly the red ghost and his super apes are. Um, and then... Like, like I said, it's almost every panel. So he goes back. Uh, thing, the thing is going in and he's saying, like, uh, I got to warn Reed that there's something's going on. All these villains are appearing. And he bumps into Professor X. And then while they're mm-hmm. there, the Mole Men come through the ground and the X-Men come in and they fight. the Mole Men is a great Daredevil villain. Oh, he is? The, well, Mole Man has been in a lot of the later issues. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in this, he's always, he was the... This is some of the Mark Wade stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, Mole Man ah, ends up showing up. Oh, yes, up, that's right, yeah. And he has a, he has a several-issue arc. It's, it's pretty... I think they end up digging up... Um, Isn't that Spot as well? Coming yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, Spot's in there. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's a couple-issue arc there, but I think he ends up dig, digging up um, Jack Murdoch's body. He, ah. he steals his body from the grave, and oh, right. Matt has to go after it. It's been a lot. It's been five or six years since I've read it. But oh, okay. Yeah. Oh wow. I'm anyway, looking sorry. forward to that. No, that's all yeah. right. So, uh, Fantastic Four. Um, uh, the thing in the X Men fight back Mole Man, and he's uh, what do they call it? Did they little mole. I don't. I don't know what they are. Mollusks or something. I can't remember. He has a name that he uses for them. Um, uh, the Subterraneans. There you go. And uh, pushes them back, and um, and. Iceman just freezes the hole that they came up in. It's like that, that'll, sort <laughs> that, that'll stop him, yeah. And then Ben's running up, and then the apes, the the red ghost, was that his name? <laughs> the apes are attacking him, and he's super apes. And the, the whole time that this is happening, Thing is like, I can't let Reed and Sue know what's going on. We got to stop all this stuff because I don't want their day to be ruined. Yeah. And then at some point, he's like, you know what? Screw it. it like, <laughs> this is, yeah. yeah, this is getting out of hand. We, we got to do something about this. So then he eventually goes and tells. Tells Reed and Sue what's going on. Yeah, and the way they get rid of um, Doctor Zayas, um, no, uh, the super apes and, mm-hmm. and uh, red, <laughs> red ghosts, ghosts. Um, is that Doctor Strange appears mm-hmm. and he sends them off to some weird alien dimension, and yeah. it's, it's kind of like it's not clear he's just actually killed them or not to me because he's just dumped them in some weird place, and he's like, I've taken care of them, don't worry. Um, so here you go. There's another cameo, Doctor. And then while this goes on, we cut to um, Doom's just watching it. And he's just like, yeah, this is going well. They're just... Yeah. Good good work, everyone. Uh, <laughs> the Mandarin appears and he's like... I'm, there's the Mandarin looked so much different than what I thought yeah. he would. He's changed a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then uh, is it Black Knight who... Um, he comes and he becomes a hero later on. But in this one, he's... Uh, unless it's a completely different character. But there's like a... A, a villain called the Black Knight that appears, and Kang is there, and mm-hmm. then um, the Grey Gargoyle. Um, there's a scroll, and this is like in one page. All of these, these yeah. villains are appearing. Um, there's the Super Android or the Adaptoid or whatever that thing's called. That um, like that big gray androidy looking thing that just has a block for a head. Um, while this is going on, Thor's flying along, and he's like, "I should help out now," and uh, he fights the Super Scroll. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then Daredevil finally appears. Yeah, so Reed kind of goes over, finds Matt Murdock. Yeah, lawyer. Yeah, at this point, obviously, Reed and Sue know what's going on, so they're going to try to help to stop these bad guys. And so he finds Matt, and he goes, hey, Matt, since you're our lawyer, you you should do this for us. He's like, can you go tell everybody just to stay calm it's going to take a while. Like yeah. you're going to have to. I hope he's charging them by the hour. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> it, it, it's going to take a while. Just keep everybody calm in there, and we, you know, we're going to handle this. But we don't want them to, the, yeah. our guests to get upset yeah. and, and worried about what's going on. So uh, Matt says, "Okay, Karen Foggy, go do that. Yeah, I'll be right back. I'll be right back." Switches into the Daredevil into outfit, Daredevil, and uh, <laughs> he he jumps out, and then he sees a truck coming by, which is a bunch of is it Hydra agents? Yeah, or yeah, Amy? Hydra. It's Hydra, a whole bunch of them, and they have a truck with a, with a missile on the back. Yeah. They're going to basically blow up the, uh, the Baxter building. Yeah, so he takes over the truck. And then this is, I, this is one of my favorite things about this book is he jumps in to drive the truck off, and then he goes away for a bit because there's so much stuff yeah. happening that you but, don't but, really... But, but we come back to it. We, we do, come we back come to back. it, yeah. so he Daredevil's keeps, driving the... Uh, driving the bomb. The bomb. <laughs> then we cut to... <laughs> just like that Batman. Sometimes yeah, you can't <laughs> just get rid of a bomb. It's, it's the same kind of way because he's, he's, he's driving just on. driving through New York with a bomb. <laughs> um, and then you have... And this this is one of my favorite sequences. I, I'm going to just say this is my favorite, but because it, it just keeps building and building, every, every panel becomes my favorite very quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Captain America and um, um, Iron Man and... Um, Oh, what's his name? The the running guy. <laughs> oh God! Oh, know. Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Thank yeah. you, uh, Quicksilver. They they're like, okay, we better go and help. And then <laughs> um, Cobra jumps on one of them <laughs> and is attacking them. And he's like, oh God, are you kidding me? <sighs> Get off of me! And then um, see now, now the executioner comes around the corner. Yeah. He's like, what's going on? Here? Yeah, and Cobra's been in a whole bunch of Daredevil issues. Too. Yeah, so it's, just, it's just great seeing all these villains. In yeah. There, yeah. So everyone's just fighting, and then well. Captain America's fighting Cobra, the Executioner and um, the Enchantress come around the corner and they're like, we better fight him as well. And while that's going on, Mr. Hyde is watching and he says, I better fight them. So Hawkeye spots this and goes, I better stop him. So he fires his arrow. <laughs> and then while he's doing that, um, the Enchantress makes a safe fall <laughs> on towards his head. And just before it's about to hit him, a web catches it and Spider-Man swings in and goes, don't worry, I've got you. And then the fight keeps going on. Um, we cut back to this is very briefly we see um daredevil driving the truck yeah for yeah. a couple of panels he's being chased by the the, the black knight mm-hmm. um and while he's doing that um angel flies in from the x-men and says i'll take care of this so he gets to drive off their fight and mandarin fires his ring at angel knocks him down um iceman catches him and then as he's just about no beast catches him and the iceman's like skating by and says nice work and just as they're like quipping against each other you have electro mandarin um i can't even see who some of these villains are but it's like uh the beetle um these two other guys who have no idea who they are just start firing at him then cyclops jumps around the corner blasts them um and then there's like this one panel where it's just everyone's fighting yeah. and like some of them you just see their feet in the in the shot um the mad thinkers there he's fighting um there's a uh top the human top is running by quicksilver just punches him and just says i thought you were fast or something <laughs> like that um and this is going on and then Dare. out of the ocean <laughs> yeah. comes the uh, i guess it's like the atlantean army or something atuma um, the warlord of the deep atuma and and i think doom was hoping that submariner would be summoned but apparently he's busy somewhere else it says yeah. that he's he's way too he's out of range somewhere right. 
So Atuma comes up with like an, an army of <laughs> Atlantean warriors there. So, so so who's going to stop this army? Does somebody have a bomb? If only there was a bomb being a, driven, a, a being driven on a truck, they could just even, they could be thrown into the water to blow. But I don't think do, uh, Daredevil knows that they're there. <laughs> That's the great thing is like he's just driving the bomb to the. He's like, I better get rid of this. I know I'll just drive it into the into the, the ocean bay. or the or the bay. Yeah, and he jumps out of the truck, and the bomb hits the bay, explodes, and pushes the entire army back <laughs> down underwater <laughs> in like a whirlpool so if you think about it i think daredevil did the most yeah he's he, he, he really took out did. a whole army that's yeah. incredible that like he took care of hydra and he took care of a, uh, some so two armies yeah. <laughs> he took out two armies captain america was stopped by cobra <laughs> <laughs> um and then while this is going on and, and reed's just like this is absurd what the, the heck the watcher appears mm-hmm. and he's like i know i can't interfere but, but but here's a little clue. Come with me. The Watcher does this all the time. Yeah, he's like, he I'm not interfering. In I'm just going to show you a room full of devices yeah. and let you pick one of them. Yeah, and he says that could potentially help you, but I can't tell you. Yeah, what. I can't tell you. I can't tell you what it does. And if you get it wrong, you might die. But one of these things will help you. And luckily, it's Reed. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, it's obviously this thing. Yeah, grabs a device, goes back, and people are fighting, and it's like there's just a melee of of bodies and forms and punching and fighting and then he goes i know what this device is and um he activates is it this little kind of mini time machine that mm-hmm. takes everyone back and makes them forget what was happening and yeah and then he he thinks to himself luckily that the device would have affected doom as well so he'll forget about he'll this. forget about this yeah. and he'll leave us alone but all of this took up 99.9 percent of the comic book so when it finally got time to the wedding it's like two panels. It's two panels. <laughs> it's two and panels it's, at the it's, end. It's, um, you know, uh, Ben Grimm crying at a wedding, <laughs> as he does. Uh, Nick Fury's kind of standing there looking out and keeping his eye out and keeping keeping um, a watchful eye. And it's uh, uh, Reed and uh, all you get is I now pronounce you man of right. Mm-hmm. You make kiss the bride and, and Reed and Sue kiss. And then this guy comes in and says, hey, uh, Colonel Fury, there's these two deadbeats trying to get into the wedding. <laughs> And he comes out and says, nope, you're not invited. Off you go. Um, this It's this way out, guys. And we don't see them, um, but it is... Stan uh, Lee and Jack Kirby. Stan and Jack, yeah. yeah and they're like, uh, yeah. They, they throw a couple of uh, yeah. comments. And then Just because back. you might as well throw them into it, too. This book, it, I mean, if you want action and you want stuff just blowing up and everything happening and cameos, this is definitely the comic book for yeah. you. It's More taken, so than anything, I think that I've ever read up until this point, for stuff that took place in the '60s. You don't. You, in this issue, you get so much. You get so many heroes, yeah. so many supervillains. It must have been incredible to read this at the yeah. time, just to be like, "Oh my god, this is." All I bet you. I bet you, Stan Lee was really involved in the writing on this one. Yeah. You know, because normally, you know, the art, like you, you would sum it up. The artist would kind of draw it out, yeah. and the story would be kind of created later. I bet you Stanley played a really big role in this one. I want everyone. Yeah, I want <laughs> Bring everyone. Me everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I want the Cobra. The Cobra's <laughs> taken out Captain America. And you know, it, it's it's taken Marvel Studios ten movies, yeah. and, or even more than that, like twenty movies to get to this stage. And it they t- do this takes, in twenty two or twenty tw- pages. Or twenty of, pages. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, Boy, this probably makes you. <laughs> this makes my wedding seem like it was boring. Yeah. <laughs> None of this stuff happened at my wedding. Yeah, we had the mole man. Ours, <laughs> but he, yours? He, he left pretty quickly. <laughs> he came, had some cake, and was gone. Yeah. Um, so next, uh, so after the Fantastic Four Annual Three, yeah, the next time we see Spider Man, or sorry, we see uh, Daredevil is in Amazing Spider Man number forty three. Mm-hmm. It's a little actually. You know what? Never mind. We don't actually see Daredevil in that issue. We see Foggy and Karen. Yes. And um, the rhino has escaped. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is fighting the rhino. And the reason why we see um, uh, Foggy at the office of Nelson Murdoch is because um, the rhino is their client. Mm-hmm. So Foggy makes a little comment like, dang it, now that now that the rhino's escaped, of course they're going to find him guilty, so we're going to lose this case. Yeah. And then he does this little tidbit where he says, you know, oh, I, I just want to go back and do just the juicy tax cases instead because yeah. I hate working with these supervillains. <laughs> and that's and that's it. That's the entire cameo there. Daredevil's not actually in it. It's yeah. just Foggy Nelson, which is kind of cool if you think about it. That, mm-hmm. you know, he gets his own little cameo yeah. in, a, in, in a book. But um, Yeah. And I think the only thing that's... Uh, this is uh, John Romita's drawing the book at this at this point. It's Lee and uh, John Romita. Um, the, the only thing that... I remember from this issue is that the rhino's costume disintegrates, right? Is that the that issue where that happens? I can't remember if it's then or before, but the only reason that, that sticks in my mind is because I always think of the rhino. He, the, the, the rhino is like a, a huge, powerful guy who's trapped yeah. in a huge power suit. I like the way that he's drawn. Yeah, and yeah. He's, always, he's always a really interesting idea, but to me, the, the thought of how bad he must smell always comes to me. <laughs> so the fact that he got you out of the costume at least You don't want to think about how all of these guys smell. <laughs> Daredevil, too. I mean, he changes, in, he changes in and out of that costume. Yeah. He's wearing two costumes at the same all time. All the time. And I've been in New York in August, and it gets, <laughs> it's it pretty, gets hot. <laughs> it's pretty hot there. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got uh, two more to talk about we here. Do. Uh, next up after Amazing Spider-Man 43 is Amazing Spider-Man Annual 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, just a tiny little cameo. It's very quick, um, but it is Daredevil. And it's the, the, the gist of this annual is that the Avengers are considering asking Spider-Man to join. And they're just basically spitballing whether or not it's a good yeah. idea and um they decide that they'll bring in daredevil because they know that he's met with spider-man a couple of times that's kind of got to be a shot to the gut though for daredevil yeah. oh so they want to see if um, hey, hey daredevil come y- in we want to talk yeah, to you yeah, we want to talk to you what welcome you to the avengers tower <laughs> by the way we don't want you we just want to know what you think of this other superhero yeah i imagine he, he walked away and said, i don't want to join your team anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know he did give spider-man the thumbs up he did yeah he, 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 he says said he's, he recommended he's him you yeah know. he said when i first met him a couple of years ago um with the ringmaster he was very capable then and he's gotten better mm-hmm. since i met him since um and the wasp is uh, just there to say like how handsome daredevil is i yeah. think there's a bit where she says oh i hope you talk slowly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the ladies love matt murdoch yeah but if only he wasn't blind if only if only he wasn't blind <laughs> that's a direct quote from karen page on at least 12 issues yeah um yeah and i guess at the end of the issue uh spider-man does not end up joining because he has to make a choice yeah. and uh he was supposed to ca- you know capture uh, somebody but he doesn't capture him mm-hmm. uh and then you know we skimmed it. <laughs> yeah, he, he he doesn't uh, he doesn't end up. Uh, He's not an Avenger yeah, he for a yeah, few Spider-Man years. Spider Man doesn't become an Avenger no, at that he point. He gets in there much later. Yeah, um, uh, and our final yeah. guest spot, which is a very quick one as well, very um, quick. And uh, uh, Strange Tales 156, which is um, uh, Doctor Stanley. Strange. Um, oh, sorry. No, Stanley's just editing. It's uh, Jim Steranko. 
It's Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and Nick Fury. Yeah. Uh, or S.H.I.E.L.D., I guess. Um, and he pops up in the S.H.I.E.L.D. portion, which is Jim Steranko. Jim Steranko is a really interesting guy. Um, he is a, an escapologist. A, he's... The, the stories that, that surround him are worth looking out. I don't know. Um, he's still kicking around and he's still kind of like this incredibly coiffed, um, like perfect white teeth. He just looks like, he, he looks like a, a Jack Kirby character. You know, he has these huge glasses that are kind of sunglasses, but I'm sure there's some correctiveness going on in there. But he's just, he's just flamboyant beyond belief and everything he does is flamboyant. And the, the, um, the shield, series he started out he replaced jack kirby on the book and jack uh, i think for the first issue i can't remember when he started i'm, I'm really um because it was a strange tale so i can't remember the numbering but the first one that he did was very much like um, um what we saw before where there was someone that was aping someone else's art mm-hmm. and um he did his version of kirby and then uh, pretty soon after that talk about john romita was steve dicko yes and then um um Jim Stranko made that book his own very much so, where it was um, just like incredible panel layouts and artwork and inventiveness that was was really pushing a lot of ideas about what comics could be and made it real. And I think this was around the time that they started calling it pop art and at the, the, the covers would mention that it was pop art. And yeah. and Jim Lee, um, Jim Lee um, Stanley, Stanley. Would, was like pushing this idea of like comics being an eye, like yeah. they're, they're real their art forms at this stage. Um, although, they, although this book specifically had a lot of dialogue. It has a lot, a lot of, dialogue, of dialogue. A lot way more, of talking. Yeah, way more than what I'm used to. Yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least with these, at least, well, obviously there's no dialogue in any comics nowadays, but yeah. even back in 1964 through 1967, this is way more dialogue yeah. than what we're used to. Yeah. And this is, you know, and, it, and also in the, um, the annual as well, this is like, these are the two forms of incredibly... Um, compressed storytelling that, that existed and it's become very decompressed now there was a whole move um, in the I can't even remember when it was maybe the mid 90s where this idea of making um, making comic books flow more like movies or drawing out story ideas or having like several panels to show a simple movement and th- this is stuff that comics have done in the past before but at this point there was get as much story as you yeah, can yeah, into yeah. each issue mm-hmm. um uh, Daredevil is only in it for... He, he's, it, one panel mm-hmm. is just a picture of him. And uh, I think Hydra... It's Hydra again. It's Hydra. <laughs> Daredevil has, should have no reason yeah, he being worried about out. Hydra because he <laughs> took out those guys. Um, single panel, we see an image of Daredevil with the other superheroes are reacting to an evil message uh, yeah. that Hydra, you know, they're proclaiming that like worldwide... They have uh, a dirty bomb. It's yeah. kind of a, a, a cool, and then this is this is saying that that Shield was and Jim Steranko was doing really well, and Shield was it was making it a real espionage, and um, it was like ultra bond, and everything was super uh, elevated, and it was it was a really good blend of of spy and superhero stories mm-hmm. at that point. But the idea is that Hydra have this uh, this dirty bomb that they're going to detonate and wipe out the world, and and the heroes are listening. But that's yeah. that's, that's all it. you see. Yeah, um, I would recommend that you go and read some of those Storenko, um, uh Shield books because they are just great fun and there's some real cool stuff going on in them. But um, a lot of words, yeah, a lot of words. Um, so before we get on to the question aspect yes. of of our little podcast here, we do want to mention that um, from this point forward, unless there's a whole bunch of cameos or we get into some some mini series, I think we're gonna just kind of 
uh, whenever we're talking about a specific run of issues, yeah. like, uh, if there's a cameo, we'll just include it where it lies. We yeah. won't have a separate... We're not going to wait for four or five more podcasts and do a separate podcast That's right, like yeah. we did uh, with this one where we do all the cameos together. We're instead just going to do all the cameos and guest stars as they lie while we're going through the normal... Uh, That's right, yeah. And we and yeah. There, there'll be a few that are just um, like the very quick cameos that appear here. That are yeah. Just brief mentions that we won't focus too and, much on. And yeah, and we may not even mention them all. Uh, yeah. You're welcome to let us know if we miss some from a time period. Please yeah. do. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you want to go first, Jamie, or do you want me to ask you a question? Why don't you ask me one first I'll this ask time. you one. Yes. Yeah. I, I, have a, I started a new job this week, so I feel like I'm really ill-prepared for um, any questions that you're going to ask me, so I'm quite <laughs> anxious about it. Um, and I just had coffee. Um, so it's a perfect mix. So I, my question for you is uh, in the panel from that issue that we were just talking about, okay. the, um, the Strange Tales 156 from May 1967, um, who are the two other heroes that are in the panel with Daredevil? Oh, boy. Well, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not cheating. <laughs> um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe there's multiple panels, There right? are multiple panels. So you just Daredevil's want the one, one that he's mm-hmm. specifically in, who, That's right. who he's with. Oh, boy. And it kind of makes sense that these two are in there. I'm going to guess Spider-Man. Ding, ding, ding. And I'm going to guess, I'm not going to say anyone from the Fantastic Four. I'm going to go with Thor. Oh, yeah. Is that right? It. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. I, I, I kind of remember the image in my mind, but I, I wasn't sure. I kind of like that, that they're kind of grouped together. Yeah. The, the idea yeah. that these three heroes who, they're, they're not really the same, but they are. Yeah. There's something nice. that. And, and the next podcast um, that we do, we're going to talk about an issue that, that, that uh, Thor and... Um, Spider-Man That's right, yeah. together to, mm-hmm. uh, guest star in a Daredevil issue. Yeah. So that'll be fun. We'll do yes. that ne- uh, next one. Yeah. All right, so you ready for your question? Uh, okay. Um, I believe this was in Fantastic Four 39. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was before, I think it was before the Fantastic Four separated mm-hmm. to get away from Doctor Doom yeah. when Reed was going to head to Baxter Building. So we talked about how Jack Kirby had fun with Daredevil's Billy Club. We, we mentioned, you know, the flexi shield to block the shrapnel. Uh, we mentioned the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, this wasn't something new, but this was just kind of a clever way to, to, to foil something. I want to know if you remember how Daredevil stopped the force beam missile that was uh, going directly towards him and Reed. Dr. Doom one of the many devices contraptions mm-hmm. that he sends after the fantastic four and daredevil. One of them is called a force filled missile. It's a, yeah, it looks like an, like a, you know, like a bow and arrow, mm-hmm. like an arrowhead. Yeah. Uh, it looks like an arrowhead sort of, but robotic. Yeah. And it's a big missile and it's coming directly at them. Ooh. How does he stop it? Wow. I really, you know, I really don't remember. I'm going to guess. Okay. I really don't remember. Um, I think he has a tiny, capsule of acid that he throws on it <laughs> no that's how he that's how that's how he destroys an outfit later on that's right um no what he does and you got to give daredevil props for this being able to do this especially being blind yeah major kudos he he uh shoots out the um the the, the hook no no what do, you, what do you call it the cable he shoots okay. out the cable mm-hmm. he lassos the missile mm-hmm. and basically redirects its course so it will hit nothing and, and blow up oh, nothing. Wow. So Daredevil lassoed a missile. 
Yeah. That's, you got to have some skills to be able to lasso a missile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is, uh, he's incredible. Yeah. And I, and I do want to mention too, that, uh, at one point, Dr. Doom sent over a tornado vortex mm-hmm. and the way that they stopped the tornado vortex was Reed was like, quick, there happen to be these canisters of gas right here. Yes. Go ahead and pick up the gas and throw it into the, uh, the tornado vortex. And that will, uh, Destroy it. Yeah. Doesn't say what type of gas it is. No. We don't know if it's hydrogen. We, yeah. we don't know what it is. He's, trust me, I know. Yeah, yeah, trust me. Gas is how you destroy this thing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so Stanley or uh, Jack Kirby and Stanley too, I guess, they were very creative on how Daredevil used that billy club. They and, were indeed. And now we know that he can lasso missiles. He can. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yes, really thank appreciate you. it. This was fun. Yeah. All right. So um, I am Joshua. I'm Jamie. And, and we, we just did, did Daredevil. Daredevil did the. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. <laughs>